Whether it be Jazz, Utes, Cougars, or Aggies, we're breaking down the teams you're passionate about. Thank you. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G, presented by Rocky Mountain Chevy Dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Olson, Scott Gerard. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Hanging out with our good friends here at Homie. Go to homie.com for more information on what they can do to help you buy and sell your home. We'll talk to Katie here in a bit. But right now, let's go out to the uh, Zone phone and welcome in from The Athletic, Chris Camerani, kind enough to join us covering Utah Athletics. Chris, how you doing? Hey, Chris. Hey, guys. How we doing? I'm well. Uh, well, it's good to catch up with you, and uh, hope you're staying safe and healthy. And uh, obviously, a lot of people kept their eyes on this Utah game over the weekend. Were you surprised that USC was able to come in and be as dominant uh, physically as much as they were on Saturday? No, and I think uh, this is where the conversation regarding this team uh, from a local media standpoint is really important, too, because this was always going to be a very difficult season for any college football team. But once Utah had a COVID outbreak and had to cancel its first two games of the year, this was always going to be an uphill battle for this team, guys. And it was already an uphill battle because you're replacing nine guys on the defense that went to the National Football League. You're replacing a uh, greatest of all time running back in Zach Moss. You're replacing an all-conference first-team quarterback in Tyler Huntley. 2020 was always going to be tough for Utah. And as much as you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, eventually opening up against what is arguably the most talented team in the conference was always going to be tough. And you could tell that SC had played a couple games, a couple tight games. They didn't look like world beaters by any means, but you could tell that they were the more um, polished team and it wasn't really close. But you know, what helped Utah was losing the quarterback that they decided to name starter kind of early on in that game. That, that probably, that probably helped them along their way. Yeah, I mean, I think it it just looked like there wasn't a lot of um, fluidity to the play calls. The running game never got going, which, as you guys know, is a, uh, you know, everything Utah wants to do is predicated in the run game when, when Kyle Whittingham is your head coach. So the fact that Cam Rising gets hurt, you know, late in the first quarter, the running game doesn't get going, uh, Jake Bentley has to come in cold and and figure out how to develop uh, a rapport with a lot of these guys on the fly. His mm-hmm. first game is at Utah. That's tough. I mean, I, I also think the the fact that COVID hit this team absolutely played a role in how they looked, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, Hans, I think you tweeted it like this. This is part of the reality of 2020. You're going to have um, college football players who are dealing with the after effects of a virus. They might have gotten over it and they might be healthy, but you don't know how it affects certain players. And there were times in that game where you, where you wondered as a viewer, like how, how, how drained was this team after everything that had gone on the last two weeks, after having to get to back to back Fridays to have to cancel these games, 
how much did they have in the tank? And granted, it was it's SC outside of BYU. It's it's the second biggest game for Utah every single year, and they they were up for it. But from a execution standpoint, they were just lacking, and they were lacking on on offense. On on defense, I was pleasantly surprised, guys. I I, I will give. I mean, I think it's a fool me once, uh, fool me twice, shame on me kind of thing because I thought the offense was going to shoulder the load, but credit to Kyle and Morgan and those, those young defenders. Cause they looked more than up to the challenge against SC's talented offense. Chris Kamrani, kind enough to join us from the athletic right here on 97, five, 1280, the zone uh, anticipate how this offense will look under uh, Jake Bentley for the foreseeable future. Do you anticipate that they'll be able to finally get into a groove and, uh, and get things going a little bit at a higher level? Yeah, I think they're still going to have to run the ball. I, I still think it's a team that's going to have to get guys open downfield still on play action. Uh, and, and one major missing component that we haven't touched on is Andy Ludwig still hasn't been able to scheme for a healthy Britton Covey. Let's, yeah. I mean, Britton Covey changes the complexion of any offense, let alone an offense like this where Andy is so willing to move him around and make him such a, um, an emphasis of this roster I, I do think if, if Jake's the guy, they will be able to, you know, hit the ground running a little more so with him taking uh, first-team reps. They have the talent, um, but but no Britain is is huge. And, um, you know, Brant Keithy wasn't much of a factor. And if you're SC, I mean, Brent, SC did a pretty good job on Brant because you know that he's going to be the focal point of an offense, especially without Britain. Uh, but they're going to have to run the ball in order to open things up down the field. Chris, what are you hearing about the Arizona State game now being moved to Sunday? Do you uh, give us a, like a percentage of confidence that that game will be played? Yeah, it sounds like Arizona State might not practice until possibly Wednesday, which would give them essentially about three and a half days to prepare for Sunday's game. I don't know if that's enough, guys. I mean, I, I think ASU is where Utah was a couple of weeks ago, and they're just going to have to ride it out, which could potentially get us to this. Uh, amazingly ironic spot where we've been trying to figure out locally if BYU can schedule Washington, who is now free after Wazoo had to cancel the Apple Cup because of COVID issues. But due to Pac-12 procedure and protocol, an in-conference game will always be uh, prioritized. So in theory, if ASU can't go, we could see Washington um, you know, either come to Salt Lake or Utah go up to Seattle. Do you look at that from a standpoint of, I mean, I got it. Look, these guys want to play. These coaches want to coach. But to be able to, to, to force yourself to completely put in and install a game plan on two or three days' notice doesn't seem like it's fair to anybody, does it not? I agree. Um, I, I think we asked that to Kyle last week, and he said as long as both teams are on uh, you know, the same level playing field, he would be comfortable with it. But – uh, I don't know, guys. I think for me, and this is my opinion, we have to adjust how we view this 2020 college football season. Um, for Utah and the Pac-12 specifically, uh, you know, BYU and some of the other folks that have been able to play eight, nine, ten games, they're different. But as related to where the Pac-12 is, considering how late they started and considering that they've had uh, more than a couple of programs who are now dealing with COVID outbreaks, it's it's, it's tough to gauge just what 2021 means. And I know they say they want to play and they want to win, but 
But to me, as an outsider, I, I can't help but think, like, you just got to see what you have and, and try to get to these games healthy and play. And I, I think that's a win. And I know that sounds kind of like a defeatist attitude, but, um, you know, Utah only has three games left on its schedule, and they just played their first game last week. And the second game might not even happen. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir when talking to you guys because you guys talk about this and know way more about this than I do. But I just think we have to temper the expectations of what this 2020 says 2020 season means. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And you know, we now have the understanding, as you mentioned, Washington canceled the uh, Washington State canceled the game with Washington, and so you've got this Washington situation that kicked up a lot of BYU negativity. But then there's this. Uh, kind of underlying issue that Utah might end up in that game. And then we all kind of assume that if ASU does back out, that Utah will end up against Washington. Is that a safe assumption, Chris, that that if ASU is out, that it is going to be a Utah-Washington game? If if both Utah and Washington have clean weeks of testing, then yes, that would be, that would be the most logical uh, occurrence. But um I, I know, you know, the world of social media was a buzz last night regarding this BYU-Washington hoopla, and I get it, but you have to understand from a BYU perspective, they're not going to uh, willingly play second fiddle and, and look desperate, and everybody has different irons in the fire right now, and everybody uh, involved in these conversations have different priorities, and, and fans need to understand that, but I think uh, it's tough for some fans to understand much when it comes to uh, the uh, integration of Utah and BYU talking points. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, things kind of get stuck in the mud sometimes when, when, when that when that comes up. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, overall, though, when you look ahead, whether it's Washington, whether it's Arizona State, what do the Utes need to do to get this thing back on track? <sighs> yeah, uh, I mean, it sounds uh, – ironic but they have to get back to being the more physical dominant team in the trenches um we saw utah utah's offensive line struggle too much in pass protection again and that was this group's achilles heel a year ago um defensive line looked okay i mean they they obviously don't have bradley and i and some of those other guys getting to the quarterback but i thought they did a, a pretty good job keaton slovis did have a little bit of time but I will say I'm, I, I was impressed with a lot of the young guys. Um, the one guy that I didn't really expect to even play, Sione Fotu, was kind of a surprise starter alongside Devin Lloyd. He's a guy who, who was part of this 2020 recruiting class that kind of went under the radar when you talked about all these four-star kids that were coming in uh, to get minutes right away on the defensive side of the ball. But Sione had a great game. Um, but I, I, I think for Utah to get this thing, back on track they have to be able to run the ball and they have to be able to give the quarterback whoever it is enough time to let routes materialize and i will die on this hill that once you get a healthy britain covey he adds a totally different dynamic to this offense and it's a dynamic that utah's been missing for a while it was too bad that he wasn't out there and ready to go i I did want to ask you about ty jordan there were a couple of guys. You talked about the defensive line. They definitely kept, caught my eye. Nephi Sewell moving up and playing the outside linebacker definitely caught my eye. And then Ty Jordan caught my eye. What did you see from the – what is he, from Vegas? The Vegas from freshman? Texas. Texas freshman. Yeah, I mean, he's fast. And that was the uh, 
that was the scouting report on him all along, all the way back to when Utah was trying to flip him because he was a former Texas uh, commit. Um, yeah, I mean, he adds an element that, that Utah sorely needs in the backfield because you have a couple of bruisers in Jordan Wilmore and Devin Brumfield. And, 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 and Jordan, once he got his opportunities, proved that he can make people miss and he can run away from people. I know there was that awkward fumbled exchange between uh, Jake Bentley and Ty Jordan early on after Jake came in to replace Cam Rising. But uh, Kyle said himself uh, postgame that they probably should have kept feeding Ty Jordan. And as you guys know, like Kyle Whittingham doesn't go out of his way to laud true freshmen if they don't totally deserve it. So I think there there could be a situation where uh, Ty Jordan sees you know more touches going forward. I don't think he'll be the featured back necessarily, but um, depending on who you know between Devin and Jordan, who has the better week of practice, it wouldn't be surprised me if if, if Ty Jordan kind of ascends himself to that number two role as more of a change of pace guy. Are you, after watching USC, are you willing to put them up there with Oregon at the uh, top of the conference, or do they need to prove more in your eyes? Yeah, it's tough. Like, uh, my my buddy Antonio Morales, who covers SC for uh, The Athletic, I was texting with him, and I said, like, how is this team just not remarkably better every single week just because you look at the talents they have? And I know there's kind of the, uh, the played-out um, – you know, cliche that it's all on Clay Helton and, and whatnot, but Clay Helton's managed to re- uh, recruit a lot of talented players there. Mm-hmm. I think they're up there with the Oregons and the and the Washingtons. I, I would say Washington is probably the most uh, impressive and surprising team of the conference so far. Um, you know, Oregon had to eke out a, a win last week against UCLA, who was down a bunch of their best players. So um, this season is odd for many reasons, but one thing it is uh, – still on par with is that in the Pac-12, anything can happen. Um, but I, I, I look at that SC team and I always wonder how they're not blowing teams out, but maybe I'm overestimating the amount of talent that they have. And I, and maybe it's, it's easier from a viewership standpoint to just look at their receivers and Drake London and, you know, that the stable of running backs and say, how are these guys not putting up 40 points when the reality might be that there are, in fact, some chinks in the armor across the, the board, especially uh, on the defensive side of the ball. But I, I would say right now they're the class of the South for sure. So, Chris, I tweeted out earlier, there's there's a couple of guys that go to look for bowl projections, and I've always watched and, and followed Jerry Palm's bowl projections, and he's got yeah. two Pac-12 teams in the New Year's Six. He's got USC and uh, USC in the New Year's Six, and then he's got Oregon in the college football playoff. Is there any way that we see actually see two Pac-12 teams occupy one of those 12 spots? I don't know, guys. I mean, I think you would have to have Oregon and SC run the table in their respective divisions and get to that Pac-12 title game. And I think you would have to have a lot of other teams above them falter along the way. I, I think I think two New York Six Day Bowls is, is tough, and I think the playoff is a reach. For, for any Pac-12 team at this point. Um, but I don't know. Crazier things have happened. I, I, I selfishly think um, I, I want to see BYU and Cincinnati play. And, you know, as weird as 2020 is, it would be awesome to see that turn into a de facto, you know, spot for the fourth playoff spot because you're, you're never going to have another season like this again. And um, I know that's not going to make me popular amongst the, the Utah fans, but you know what? I don't really care. I, I, I would love to see that scenario play out. I, I do think that the Pac-12 will have a New Year's Six representative. I just don't think I see two at this point. Yeah. 
So uh, what's basketball looking like? How's it going to start, and, uh, and and how's this thing going to play out for the University of Utah? Because from a Utah State angle, I'm getting on a plane on Tuesday, but I don't know if I'm going to anticipate actually calling any games. I'll believe it when the ball gets tossed up in the air. Yeah, I mean, they, they've had their fair share of issues as well, and they're, I think they were planning on making some sort of update today, but they haven't yet. Um, I have a hard time seeing how college basketball plays for – four months without some serious hitches. Now they granted, they made the right decision of making the tournament, uh, a pseudo bubble in Indianapolis in, in March, but I don't know guys. Uh, I mean, your, your guess is as good as mine. I think when it comes to football, at least there's some runway in the week, but basketball with how many games there are in close proximity, it's going to be very difficult to be able to get a true sense on, on where things are each week, just because the amount, the turnaround time between games, and testing is going to be so compact. Um, I mean, selfishly for you, Scotty, I hope I hope you get to call a game, but I I, I don't know how things are going to transpire just yeah. because the, the 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 reality is, and this is something that we can't lose sight of, is our state is basically at a level where we can't really sustain the continued level of growth of this virus, and if this continues, uh, we're going to have more issues, and we're going to have more issues beyond sports. And it's uh, it's unfortunate, and it's, it puts things into perspective. But um, as of right now, we'll just have to see what happens with college basketball because uh, related to Utah, uh, we're going to have to see where they are numbers-wise in terms of testing. Well, you'll like this. I mean, we're go- I'm going from one hot spot to the hot spot in South Dakota for that <laughs> tournament out there. So we're going out of the pot into the fire as far as COVID's concerned. <laughs> I hope you. I hope they get. They have you on a uh, on a charter direct flight. I'll, I'll be pissed if they're making you connect in Lincoln or something. I might have uh, to call somebody. Connecting in Minneapolis. So. Yeah. yeah. Good times. I'm just telling you this, Chris. Uh, we're going to have that awkward plexiglass in between us, like you got on Monday Night Football. Now between <laughs> when I get back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Um, I, I don't blame you. That's, yeah. That might, that might be logical. I mean, that just make sure you can expense it. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to try to call that game in a hazmat suit, honestly. <laughs> honestly, that's what's crazy. Has anybody priced out plexiglass lately? It is expensive for it's good plexiglass. Wait, what, do you go to, like, Home Depot? Where do you get plexiglass anyway? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing this weekend? You know, Hans has a plexiglass guy. <laughs> I got a guy. <laughs> It's been a long uh, time. I, I I thought I priced it out one time. I can't remember. Chris, you're the best, man. We appreciate it. Uh, you, you, you're you killing it there with The Athletic, and if there's anything we can do, let us know. Yeah, same. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Chris. Chris Camrani right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network.